This is Zach Driscoll, and I'd like to welcome you to the Real Men Podcast. To find more Bible teaching and content like this, visit markdriscoll.org. And don't forget to set aside a good chunk of time, because my dad has a habit of preaching lengthy sermons. Well, howdy. It's a great honor to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in online as the whole world is struggling with the same problem. And what has happened now is most of us are spending our days at home. And that means if you are married, you got a wife, you got kids, you might have some problems. And what I want to do tonight, I want to be helpful to you. I want to be hopeful to you. I want to be healing to you. And what I believe is that if men in this season of what I think is accurately called a crisis will make some decisions to lovingly lead, particularly their wives, children, and families, this could be a tremendous opportunity that even though the rest of the world might be in crisis, that your family uh, could be in Christ. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. Typically, I tend to uh, go through a book of the Bible on Sunday. We're in Daniel right now. And uh, for the men at Real Men, I tend to pick out a few practical applications that apply to the men from the chapter. That being said, a lot of you women are joining us as well. We love you. We're glad to have you. Everybody's welcome. And the principles I'm going to share will be applicable to all. I was talking this week to some friends who are first responders, uh, medics, and also um, police officers. And here's what they are sadly reporting. As families are home together, getting a lot of bad news, and also jobs are being lost, and a lot of anxiety is increased, and kids are home from school. Uh, Spousal abuse is up. Men are beating women, which is horrifying. There's more child abuse. Kids are finding themselves now basically trapped in an environment that is scary and harmful for them. And uh, the rate of uh, divorce on the backside of this could be very, very very high. Lots of families being broken as you take all of that social, economic, and relational pressure and just place it in a family system, it can be very damaging to it. That being said, there is a way out. And what I want to share with you is how to take, or what I'm going to call turn, uh, from these various things in your crisis and turn them to Christ. And we're going to do so with a case study from one of the godliest men in the whole Bible. His name is Daniel. Twice in Ezekiel, he's named as one of the godliest men in the history of the world. And I'll start with this simple analogy. You cannot change what comes at you. You cannot get rid of that which attacks you. You are dealing with things, we all are right now, that are overwhelming and frankly, anxiety-causing. You can't cause the world to change. You can't fix the stock market. You can't guarantee that people you love won't get sick. You can't promise that there'll be a job for you to return to. That being said, you can use and turn those opportunities from crisis to Christ. I'll give you a simple analogy. I'm a bit of a MMA fan. I, I like combat sports, have my whole life. You look at boxers, usually they're pretty thick, especially in the upper body, and, and they're strong. You look at wrestlers, usually it's strength in the lower body, lower center of gravity. You look at Muay Thai fighters, they tend to be long, lots of elbows, uh, knees, and legs. And, uh, and one of the martial arts, or one of the combat sports, I should say, that's most interesting to me at least, is judo. You look at the average judo guy, and many of them just look like a normal guy. They don't necessarily look like a world-class athlete. It's because judo is one of those sports that is very different. And I wrote it down. Uh, judo comes from the Japanese word meaning the gentle way. Well, how in the world could you have a combat sport that's the gentle way? And the way that judo works, you use your opponent's strength, their uh, gravity of energy, and also their momentum. You use it against them. 
So they attack. It tends to be more of a reactive, meaning when you're attacked, you wait to observe your opponent and then to manipulate them in such a way that their energy is wasted and you are preserving yours and you're using their energy against themselves. What's true in physical warfare or combat is also true in spiritual warfare or combat. Right now, what you are dealing with, what we're all dealing with is to some degree a spiritual war. There is a real enemy that is at work behind the scenes. We see this throughout Daniel and the Bible and we see it in our own day. And what is coming at you is what feels like an attack, an economic attack, a physical attack, a mental attack, a spiritual attack, an emotional attack. You feel attacked. What do you do? If you just fight back, you're going to lose. And instead, the best thing to do is to find a way to turn all of these attacks from crisis to Christ, and that's how you emerge victorious. We'll give you some very practical examples in a case study from a guy named Daniel. Just to introduce this man and the book of the Bible bearing his name, uh, he is um, a believer, but his church is closed. Tell me if these variables don't sound similar. His church is called the temple. It's closed. It's closed. Not only that, it's been closed for 70 years. Churches around the nation, around the world have closed now for a week or two, most of us. We don't know how long we'll be closed. We thank God for technology so that we can still minister to people that Jesus loves and we care about. But his church was closed. He couldn't go there for 70 years. The whole fight was to get back and to open the church so that people could hear about the coming of Jesus. He's also weary. It felt like it took forever. We've been in our crisis for a few weeks at the point that we visit the story in Daniel chapter 10, he has been at war, literally, this geopolitical upheaval and crisis, the same kind of economic variables that we are dealing with, and he has been enduring it for not weeks, but 70 years, almost his entire life. He sees the spiritual forces at work behind the world, that which is causing global conflict and wars and pestilence and plague and problems of all sorts and kinds. And he sees that the demonic realm is invading and harming people in the uh, seen realm of our universe. And then ultimately he's getting just a lot of bad news. A lot of what Daniel gets throughout the course of the whole book, but particularly in chapter 10 is the same thing that you and I have been getting. And that's a lot of bad news. The soul was built for good news. And good news is literally the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Gospel means good news. The soul was made for good news and we're getting a lot of bad news. That means it's very damaging to the soul. Daniel's getting a lot of bad news and he is struggling to process what he is learning. So I wanna show you three things where these attacks are coming at Daniel under circumstances that are very similar to yours and ours and how we turn those from crisis to Christ. The first one is he turned isolation into solitude. And these are things that I want you to learn and these to become new habits and rhythms in your life. And then you can encourage others in them. And if you're a husband or a father, you can then model and teach these things to bring health, hope, and healing into your home. It says in Daniel 10, eight, he says, I was left alone. That's solitude. Uh, he feels isolated. There is a big difference between solitude and isolation. Uh, isolation is where you're all by yourself and solitude is you're alone, but God is present with you. People are struggling right now. Single people that I'm talking to in ministry, they are going crazy because they can't go out and have social activity. They're just stuck at home. Those of you that are extroverts, highly relational people, you are losing your mind. You miss your people. You wanna go out and have your activities. I got five kids and uh, four of them are still school age. One has graduated with her master's. 
The kids can't go to school. Their sports season is canceled. My youngest son, baseball, uh, basketball rather, his season got nuked. My oldest son, who's a senior, his senior baseball season got nuked. My daughter's choir concert and recitals and trips got nuked. We're not sure if my son's gonna be able to have graduation, if he's gonna be able to have prom, if he's gonna be able to even go back to take his finals, right? There's all these things that we look to, whatever age we are, getting together with people, making memories, having fun, good times on the calendar, things to look forward to, parties, festivals, games. I mean, here, I love spring training. It just got nuked as well. And what it feels like now is isolation. We're all, we're all alone. And the Bible says very clearly, it's not good to be alone. So a lot of people are not doing good because they're alone. God made us to be together. This is what Daniel is articulating. He feels isolated as you do. He says, I was left alone. Some of you right now, you're watching this all alone and saw the great vision. So now he's getting more bad news about what's going on in the world. And no strength was left in me. It exhausts him, it overwhelms him. Some of you are feeling that. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. What he says is even though I was in my eighties, I was still healthy and vibrant, had good energy. And if you looked at me, you'd say, that guy's doing pretty good. And he said, then all of a sudden things turned and I wasn't okay. You can tell this when you look at somebody like, are you okay? They've lost weight, uh, they've gained weight, they're tired, they're haggard, they seem distracted, they got brain fog, they're just not themselves, they're not doing okay. That's where Daniel is. And it's okay to not be okay, but God ultimately wants you to get okay. And he said, I retain no strength. Some of us, we just get up in the morning and we go, but sometimes we get up and we can't go. You're just not yourself. Things aren't okay, you're not okay. Isolation can cause a lot of exhaustion. That's what he's saying. So, how, so as you're struggling with isolation, how do you turn it towards solitude? What's the difference? Well, those who don't know the Lord don't know solitude. All they know is isolation. Those who don't know the Lord can't practice solitude because they don't have a relationship with the Lord. This is a, a secret um, gift that God gives to believers. Though you and I might be alone. You may be on house quarantine. You may be an older couple that's isolating or an older individual in a high risk category, isolating yourself. You may be a person with pre-existing conditions, which literally means you need to be by yourself for a while. How do you not go crazy? How do you not lose it? Well, you take what originally feels like an attack of isolation and you turn it towards solitude. And what is that? That's spending time with God. The Bible says that Jesus often withdrew alone to quiet places to be with the Father. He wasn't alone, he was alone to be with the Father. That's what solitude is. It's a meeting with the Lord. You need to know that God isn't bound by airplane flights. He is not going to catch the virus. He is not in a risk category at all. He is not practicing social distancing. God can be with you present wherever you happen to be. How do you turn something from isolation to solitude? Well, let me just say, it might mean turning off the news, which just reinforces your fear and solitude, and instead uh, spending time with the Lord. How do you do this? This is some simple stuff, guys. And if these are not regular disciplines and habits in your life, you're not going to have a healthy soul. Things like Bible reading, Bible study. If you got nothing to do, read God's word. If you don't know how to read God's word, just pick any book of the Bible and start reading it. Start studying the Bible. Find something to get your mind active and to get your soul activated. In addition, this can be time in worship. You can turn on worship music. We have technology 
And you can sing and emotionally express, and it's a form of prayer unto the Lord. And it might be a very healthy thing for you to do. After all, for most of us as guys, we sit in the chair and watch sports. We don't even have sports now. There's nothing to watch. My favorite thing now is to watch ESPN and the commentators. And they're basically like, yeah, we got nothing. There's nothing to talk about. It's so bad. My sons who are sports fans recently on YouTube, I walked in. they They were watching a spike ball tournament a spike ball tournament on YouTube. You know what that means? Men are desperate. We need some sports. How do you take this time and not just waste it watching ESPN classics, downloading porn, or yelling at the nightly news, spend time in the presence of God? That can be prayer. That can be worship. That can be time in scripture, time together. And this is a great time. Pray with your spouse. This is a great time if If you have the opportunity to worship as a family, do devotions as a family, pray as a family, you can do all of that. That's how you turn isolation into solitude. And Daniel explains this in chapter 10, verse 10. He said, and behold, a hand touched me. One of the pivot points in Daniel chapter 10 is he's isolated, he's not doing well. And then God touches him and he starts to get better. Meaning emotionally, physically, spiritually, his strength and his energy and his vision and his vigor returns. You know what you need? You need a touch from God. You literally need God to just put his hand on you, to comfort you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to fortify you, to clarify you. That's what solitude is. It's getting time with God, our heavenly father, as his sons and daughters, that through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, he would reach out and touch us and he would reignite faith within us, hope for our future and strength for our present. So the first thing is uh, turn isolation into solitude. Number two, turn complex grief into lamenting. Daniel 10, one through three, he says, uh, the word was true, meaning this, he got bad news. And let's just be honest, right now it's an avalanche of bad news. It's an avalanche of bad news. I turn the news alerts off on my phone. I can't handle that much bad news. The word was true and it was a great conflict. What he's saying is all the news I got was about conflict and turmoil and problems. His emotional scenario and the geopolitical economic situation he was in was very, very eerily similar to the one that we are in. That's why Daniel is a prophetic book, just not talking about what happened, but about what always happens when Satan and demons unleash hell on earth trying to destroy the people that God made and the people that God loves. This was two and a half thousand years ago, but the same war that he faced continues against the same enemy, those unseen forces. He says, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. Some of you, it's been three weeks. Some of you, you're a couple of weeks in, but it's almost like a a funeral in your heart. It's like a grief cycle. Okay, things aren't the same financially, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, what does the future hold? And everything is tenuous and uncertain. He's in this morning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies nor meat or wine entered my mouth. Dude lost his appetite. Some of you, when you hit crisis and stress, you can do one of two things. You're gonna eat too much or not eat enough. Some guys, they lose their appetite. Some guys eat like it's the third trimester. The key is to just maintain health through the whole thing nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. He's in a grief cycle. Um, And here's what he is uh, experiencing, uh, complex grief. I shared this on Sunday, but I'll revisit it. What oftentimes happens in life, you get bad news and then you process it, you learn from it, you accept it, um, you move on from it, you heal from it, you use it for your future. 
The problem is with complex grief, it's so much bad information so continually that it feels like an avalanche and you're just buried under bad news. And you're like, I don't know how to shovel out. Uh, and what it ends up being like is you're like a boxer who's on their feet, but they're, they're out on their feet. Like you've just been hit with so much bad news. You're still standing, but you're out on your feet. That's complex grief. Complex grief is, I, I, can't, I can't even start to fathom how I'm supposed to process all of this bad news. And, and this, I mean, if you think of it right now, just think of all the, the complex grief that you're probably dealing with. Uh, we don't know what's gonna happen politically. We don't know what's gonna happen economically. It's not looking good. Uh, we don't know when the church is gonna be open. So we can't even go be with God's people to sing and pray. That was Daniel's problem. People we know and love may be sick or in the category of potentially dying. We don't know when it'll end. We don't know if it'll get worse or better. You know what that is? A lot of complex grief. School's canceled, kids are at home, businesses are shut down. This is an avalanche of complex grief. Daniel felt it, you're feeling it. It's not, it's not a sin to feel it, but it's an opportunity to use it and to turn it into, as I'm talking about, lamenting. And so what he says is, once he gets all this complex grief, he becomes physically exhausted. There is such a thing as physical depression. Some depression is mental or emotional been through a hardship or you're stuck in some area in your life. Some depression is just physical, meaning the physical body has exerted all of its energy sources. It cannot just continue forward normally. You just got nothing left. I'll be honest with you, what I just did, I was up till two o'clock last night, helping pastors in crisis, trying to help people, love people, sketch out plans, run budgets, the whole thing. I'm tired. That's physical depression. It's not that I don't know and love the Lord and I don't have any hope for the future. Just physically, I'm tired. So I just took something called a nap. Let me just tell you, Jesus took a nap. Be like Jesus, take a nap. That's what I'm saying. You may not have the same energy levels during this season of complex grief. And as a result, it's okay to physically do as he does. I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. That's how you know when you're tired. It's not even a my pillow, it's my dirt. That's what you're willing to roll with for your nap. Dude goes, he's so tired. He's like, I'm just gonna lay down on the ground, face down, and I'm gonna take a nap here. That's physical depression. His body is just overwhelmed. He gets all the bad news and then he's overwhelmed by it. He can't necessarily process it all. He needs to just physically get a break from it and recover. So watch your sleep. And then in Daniel 10, 16 and 17, he says, by reason of the vision, what he's talking about here is getting bad news. Bad news is a bad vision of the future. Bad news is a vision of some sort of pain, trouble, or trial that is coming on the horizon that causes fear in the present. By reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. Now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Daniel's just literally at the point, like the guy on the field who literally has his hands on his hips and he's literally, I just can't play another down. I can't go anymore. I'm, that's all I got, I'm done. What this is, ultimately, this is the result of complex grief. Satan and demons in the battle against us and their battle in our battle is at least partly spiritual. There are physical things that are happening in the scene realm, but there are spiritual things happening in the unseen realm and they are working together. And one of the things that happens when we get hit with complex grief, we become overwhelmed, exhausted, we get physical depression because Satan and demons do not share in the limits of our humanity. 
They don't get sick. They don't get tired. They don't die. They don't grow old. They don't get dehydrated. They don't need a day off. They're spirit beings. We're human beings. Human beings can be absolutely exhausted and overwhelmed by spirit beings. That's one of the ways when you know you are in a spiritual war that the foe that is up against you seems to have an inexhaustible energy source. That's why you need to be powered by the Holy Spirit if you're going to have a battle against the unholy spirits. That's why the Spirit of God needs to be in you if demonic forces are attacking around you. And so what he ultimately does is he gives himself a break to rest. And what I would call this is lamenting. And you're gonna see this in the remainder if you read all of Daniel chapter 10. Part of it is a lament. And I wanna share this because I don't think that most people really know how to grieve. And as men, most of us, we don't like to lose, we like to win. We don't like to weep, we like to laugh. Uh, we don't want to feel that uh, something is out of control and we like to be in control. It's a hard struggle for men to accept and process reality in a healthy way, especially when circumstances are out of their control and beyond their means. Daniel is in a circumstance that is beyond his control and he cannot control the outcome. There's nothing more that he can do. For some of you, there's nothing more that you can do. And as men, we don't like that. But sometimes we need to accept that and then we need to process that. And what this is in the Bible, it's a, it's a, it's a thing called lamenting. Uh, the majority category of the Psalms and prayers in the book of Psalms are laments. The whole book of Lamentations written by Jeremiah is a book of lament. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. That was a lament. Jesus wept at the grave of his friend Lazarus. Shortest, book, uh, shortest verse in the Bible was Jesus wept. That was lament. There are sections throughout the Bible where people have journal entries talking about their mourning, processing, and lamenting. What this is, this is getting the bad news, and then it is accepting the bad news, and then it is emotionally processing the bad news so that you can heal up and have hope for your future. Uh, I wrote down a few things, I shared them on Sunday, and we find this in the life of Jesus. In Isaiah 53, he's called the suffering servant, the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. When you lament, you allow yourself to feel. Through this, people that you know and love need you to be emotionally present. If you don't learn to lament, grieve, process, unburden, pray, transfer certain burdens to the Lord, you will just become emotionally numb. This is where many men are non-relational and non-emotional. And they may feel like that is protecting them from having to process, but what it ultimately does, it means they're not emotionally, relationally present for others in their life, starting with their wife and kids. If you grew up under the leadership of a dad who was non-emotional, non-relational, what I'm telling you is he had some pain or trauma or loss or grief in his background that he never processed and healed from and moved beyond. Instead, he just became numb to it. And some men, then they start to self-medicate, drugs, alcohol, uh, pornography, violence, different ways that men will self-medicate. And that's not a healthy way of feeling and processing the grief that you are experiencing. When you lament, you process the pain you're feeling in the present and the fear you have for the future. In the present, it might be, I'm unemployed. I lost my job. I don't know how I'm gonna take care of my family. My wife is not doing well. My kids are all of a sudden home all the time. I, I'm a bit overwhelmed with the sudden pivot in life. Didn't have any anticipation to prepare for it. And then also fear of the future. When does it end? How do we pay the bills? What does normal look like? Will our church, will our business, will our future, will our retirement, will our equity still be there? 
What lamenting does, it allows you to process the complexities in the moment and the fears in the future so that you can heal up and move forward with God into the future that he has for you. In addition, when you lament, you look at things realistically and you give yourself an opportunity to see any decisions that you could have made differently that are now contributing to your pain. Some of you right now, you were not good with your money. And you just thought, well, you know, everything's fine. I got a job and you were not good with your money. And now you're feeling the pain. Uh, some of you didn't have any cash reserves and it, it wasn't because you couldn't, it's because you didn't. I'm not trying to beat on you, but I'm trying to just coach you up and say, learn from this. What decisions on the backside of this do you need to change and make differently so that when the next hardship comes, you're more prepared for it. So what lamenting does, it says, I'm not just a victim. There are also some decisions that I made that have increased the struggle that I have and the pain that I'm experiencing. And that gives us wisdom for the future. Uh, when we lament, we also empathize with others. It's not just how am I feeling? How are you feeling? It's not just um, what do I need, but it's what do you need? If you're gonna be home right now, especially you guys that are husbands and fathers and you're with your wife and you're with your kids, if you don't grieve properly, lament properly, unburden properly, you're not gonna empathize with your wife and kids. You're gonna feel like they are a burden. They're not, they're a blessing. You're gonna feel like they're a bother. They're not, they're a blessing. And you are there to lift burdens, not give burdens. God did not make men to give burdens to women and children. God made men to lift burdens for women and children. If you don't process healthily with the Lord and give your burdens to him, you will give your burdens to them. You will dump your burden on your wife. You will dump your burden on your kids. You'll be verbally processing, venting. Uh, you'll be self-medicating. You'll be unhealthy. And you're going to create an environment in your home that is not healthy and life-giving. Instead, it'll be unhealthy and life-taking. You don't wanna do that. You wanna give your burdens to the Lord. And then you wanna go to your wife and your kids and say, what burdens can I carry for you? If the Lord carries my burdens, then I am healthy and strong and I can help you to carry your burdens. Asking your kids, how are you doing? Missing school, what's it like? Not playing sports, asking your wife, you know? So how awesome is it to have me and the kids home all day, every day, unexpected? Your poor wife is struggling with you. I mean, just imagine, imagine living with you. The reason that there's not two of me is one would have to die. I mean, what Grace has to endure and put up with, it is remarkable. That's why her name is Grace and I'll be cutting her grass in heaven. It's just having some compassion, empathy, and understanding that we're not the only one that is feeling it and that there are other people that are in the midst of it with us. Last one, you can turn your fear into faith. What happens when you get complex grief? What happens when you get physical depression is that ultimately you are more prone to what the Bible calls a spirit of fear. The Bible says that God did not give us a spirit of fear behind fear is a demon spirit and fear may actually be the name of a demon. And you can tell when the spirit of fear comes upon you. It's when you get into your fight or flight mode. It's when you're not your normal self. It's, it's when you have no hope. It's when you're scared, you're anxious, you're overwhelmed. And men tend to do one of three things. Uh, some of you guys are alphas, foot forward. You're just gonna fight. You gotta fight someone or something and if that's where you're at in your home with your wife and your kids, you're gonna be fighting with your wife and kids. Don't do that. Or you'll go on the internet and you'll just find somebody to fight with and you can do that, but it's not a good time to invest your energy in that way. Some are flight. They literally just shut down and disappear. These are guys who literally, they just go up to their man cave. Uh, they just, 
ignore everybody, ignore everything, turn their phone off, turn the news off, don't talk to their wife, don't talk to their kids. That's flight. And then there's fright. These are guys who are just paranoid. They don't know what to do. They can't make a decision. They're, they're running their numbers, but they can't make a financial decision. They're looking at their business, but they can't make a decision. They're, they're looking at their life and they can't make a decision. They're just paralyzed and gripped by fear. Fear never brought anyone into the will of God. Fear never brought anyone into a healthy place or state. Fear never created a healthy culture for human beings to live in. Our world is gripped by a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear is now the dominating spiritual reality for planet earth. You cannot be driven by the spirit of fear. You must be guided by the spirit of God. Daniel starts with fear, anxiety, and worry. I'll read it to you in a moment. It's not a sin to have fear, worry, and anxiety. You just can't let it reside in you and become a part of you. It may be on you, but you need the Lord to get it off you so that it doesn't live in you. Jesus had anxiety as he went to the cross. He was sweating like drops of blood. He was up all night. He was stressed. He was anxious, but it wasn't a sin. He used that to drive him toward faith. Don't allow fear to drive you deeper into fear. Take your fears to God and have him turn those into faith. I'll give you some examples. So Daniel 12, 2, um, a divine being, possibly an angel, possibly Gabriel shows up and says, fear not, Daniel. What does that tell you? He was fearful. You don't tell somebody fear not unless they're fearful. He's fearful. He's a godly man. We've seen repeatedly in Daniel, filled with the Holy Spirit, wrote a book of the Bible. He's, he's in his 80s, maybe 90s. He's been through a lot. He's a seasoned veteran and he's scared. He's overwhelmed. He's anxious. He's fearful. It doesn't mean he's ungodly. It means he's human. So are you. So am I. So are we. This divine being shows up speaking a word from God says, fear not, Daniel. And by the way, that is the number one commandment in the entire Bible, repeated more than any other. And almost every time that fear not in some form or fashion appears, uh, that also in that same context, God says, for I'm with you. It's not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God that casts out the spirit of fear. We tend to think if I could just get rid of all my problems, I would have peace. No, if I had the presence of God, I would have peace even in the midst of my problems. What I'm telling you is, if you don't think that peace is possible until everything is fine, it might not be fine for a long time. And when all is said and done, you're not gonna be doing well. So you want the spirit of God to cast out the spirit of fear, and you want to walk in the wisdom of God through the problems that you have, because ultimately faith will pull you into the future and fear will paralyze you for the future. He says, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. What he says is this, Daniel, when you were praying, God was listening. You need to know that. You're not in the fight alone. God is in it with you. God is over it for you. And that ultimately when we pray, and this is amazing because this divine being lives in the unseen realm in the presence of God. Daniel humbly prays, makes his request known to God. And then this divine being comes to Daniel and says, your prayer was heard, God answered it. He sent me here to answer it. You need to know that when you pray, you are not just speaking to the ceiling, you are speaking to the Lord. And that your prayer, if it is from a humble heart for someone who belongs to the Lord Jesus, it actually goes into the presence of God. You need to know that. 
What this does for Daniel, he says, do not fear, you did pray, God did hear. And what this should do is build faith and turn your fear into faith. And then lastly, he said, O man, greatly loved. It's super important to know that what you are experiencing, and I know we're all in it and we're going through it. It may not be, or is likely not, I should say, personal. It's not like God's in heaven and everything that is happening is solely a punishment on you. This is a global situation because of sin, uh, because of demonic forces and a fallen world all working together with the spirit of fear and the lawyers. You put all of that together during a political season and you get a mushroom cloud. That's what you get. And so there are a lot of variables that are happening simultaneously in our country and world, and it's not all personal. What is personal is God's love for you. God's love for you. You need to know that there is a God, his heart is a father's heart, and he loves you. And just because circumstances are hard does not mean his heart is hard. He has not changed how he feels about you. This is a God you can talk to. This is a God you can sing to. This is a God you can pray to. This is a God you can transfer your burdens to. He's there to help you. And for those of you men in particular who are listening, it doesn't matter how old you are, you still need your heavenly father and you're always going to be his sons. He says, you are greatly loved, fear not. Why does he tell them repeatedly? Because we repeat it, well, we repeatedly, I should say, fail to remember it. You might feel good today. You might be not doing so good tomorrow, fear not. You may feel good at noon and not feel good by dinner, fear not. He keeps saying it because we keep forgetting it. Peace be with you. This is an internal peace. This is what the Bible calls a peace that surpasses understanding. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is peace. Here's what he's saying, Daniel, everything out there is beyond your control. Everything in here is within your control. If you wanna focus on something, especially you husbands and fathers who are home with your wives and children, how is life in here? I don't know about you, I don't feel like I have any control over the stock market, over the economy, over the political process, over medical testing, over vaccines and cures. I don't feel like I have any control over that. I can pray, I can make wise decisions for myself and my family. I can't control any of that, but I can control who I am in here. And if you don't have peace, you need to bring yourself to the Prince of Peace and he needs to give you the peace of God. And ultimately peace doesn't come from this world, it comes from the God beyond this world. And that peace will keep you clear headed and motivated to make good decisions into the future so that there is hope and health for you and for your family. Fear not, peace be with you, be strong. And what this is, is this receives the strength of God and the strength of the Holy Spirit and of good courage, meaning, Things aren't necessarily going to be easy. The decisions won't be so clear. The outcome won't be so guaranteed. You're gonna need some courage. And what that means is marching forward according to wise counsel and the leading of the Holy Spirit, making decisions for your family. And some of you have got really big decisions to make. And if things continue in this process for a few more weeks, you're gonna have more information that could be more fear-inducing and complex grief. You'll need to lament and process it. And then you'll need to bring it to the Lord in faith. You'll need the Holy Spirit to cast out the spirit of fear, to bring you the peace of God and to help you to have courage and strength to make decisions for some sort of hopeful future so that you can move forward in some form or fashion into a better tomorrow. And I promise you for the children of God, there are ways to get there, but not if you're not okay. 
You're not going to make any good decision from fear. And he spoke to me. I love this. And here's my encouragement for you in closing tonight. Daniel says, I was strengthened. That's what God wants for you. That's what God has for you. His strength. The Bible says to be strong in his strength. Strength comes from the Lord. And what men need right now, they need strength. They need strength to lead their families. They need strength to love their families. They need strength to uh, encourage their families. They need, they need strength to serve their families. And they need strength to get the family into the future. I got a wife and five kids. In addition, I got a church family. There's a lot of people that I love and I feel like a dad about. You know what they need of me? Strength, clarity, courage, a plan, faith in God from a healthy man who sees that there is a future for those who walk in the will of God. Because even if you're walking through a minefield, if you know where the mines are at, you're able to navigate it. I'm just telling you that the world set before us is a bit of a minefield and we're gonna need courage to take the next step and wisdom exactly from God where to step if we're to have any future for us and our family. He says, I was strengthened. God wants you to meet with him tonight and he wants to give his strength to you and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. You have strengthened me. Things didn't change out here for Daniel, but they changed in here. And I'm submitting to you that these three examples from Daniel Turn your isolation into solitude. Don't just invite Fox or CNN, right? And MSNBC into your house. Invite the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into your house. Turn complex grief into lamenting. How do you process it? How do you grieve it? How do you have the heart funeral? How do you deal with reality? And turn your fear into faith. God, I look into the future and I am scared, but I am going to invite you into the present to help me have courage and strength for the future. There is life on the other side of this. There is opportunity on the other side of this. There is hope on the other side of this. The question is, will you be healthy enough to get to that day? You need time with the Lord. You need time to become like the Lord. You need time to burden transfer to the Lord. You need time to hear from the Lord. You need time to be with the Lord so that you'll be ready when those opportunities come. I love you. I'm praying for you. Final questions, because I know some of you are in groups. A couple of you guys are getting together, some digitally, some physically. How can you turn your isolation into solitude? For those of you that are in New York and Seattle and LA, how do you turn your isolation into solitude? To where you're not just home binge drinking and downloading porn like the guy in the next apartment, but you're spending time with the Lord to get healthy and ready for the future. How do you turn complex grief into lamenting? How do you take all the bad news and find a way to talk it through with the Lord, heal from it, learn from it, move forward? How can you turn your fear into faith? What is the news that you're getting that has you the most concern? How do you bring that to the Lord so that he can touch you and strengthen you and give you courage for the future? And then lastly, how can we pray for you? And I would just say, if you're on social media, post a prayer request. Lots of us now have more time than ever to pray. And I would encourage all the other guys, check the comment section. The other gals, check the comment section, figure out who you can pray for, even post and pray for them, encourage them, love them. And uh, if you've got something specific or more private that you would like prayer for, send it in to hello at markdriscoll.org. And uh, I'll be happy to be praying for you because I love you. My intent, I'll be here every week for real men. I love you. I'm here to help and serve. I know that God has good for you. 
He has good for your future. He has good for your family. I'm not exactly sure how we're gonna get there, but it's exciting to see the path that he's gonna set before you because the future and plans he have for you are very, very good. And in the meantime, I love you and it's an honor to speak. Father God, thank you. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you right now to go and to touch those who hear this, to give them the strength of your touch, to give them the peace of your presence, to give them the wisdom of your spirit. Lord God, in times like this, we need wisdom, uh, that we can process all the information that we are receiving and all the emotions that we're feeling and then try and find a healthy way to move forward step by step. And Lord God, I pray for those who are lonely and feeling isolated, that they would sense your presence. I pray for those, Lord God, who are experiencing complex grief. They feel like an avalanche has hit and they're overwhelmed, that they would turn that complex grief into a season of lamenting and that shovel by shovel, issue by issue, concern by concern, need by need, that they would transfer all of that to you and ultimately see the light of day again on the other side. And God, I pray for those who ultimately uh, right now in this moment are, are fearful of their future, that God, you would be present with them and that you would bring them faith, that you have a plan for them and you have a hope for them and you have a future for them. And faith trusts until we see by sight exactly what that plan is. God, I just feel inclined as well to pray for the wives and the children of the men who hear this. I pray that if dad is home, it is a blessing and not a burden. I pray that he is a help and not a hindrance. I pray that he is a comforter and not an abuser. And I pray, Lord God, that he would bring peace and not pain to, to those in his family. And so, Lord God, let us bring the kingdom of our father as fathers into our homes. In Jesus' good name, amen. Love you. Thanks for tuning in.